to the broadcast. I'm Pastor Jeff Shreve, pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries, heard every weeknight on American Family Radio at 6 p.m. Central Time. Well, today is Tuesday, March 15th, uh, 2022, and it was 36 years ago today that I stood at the altar along with my fiance, Debbie K. Cannon, and said, I do. And she thought for a moment and then she relented and said, I do too. And we were married. Now, what, what makes March 15th a, uh, a special uh, date is not just because that's the date we got married, but everybody knows March 15th from the play Julius Caesar. You know, in, in Rome, March 15th was an, an important date. It was notable for the Romans as a deadline for settling debts. And it's also the day that Julius Caesar in 44 BC was assassinated. And William Shakespeare has that famous line in his play entitled Julius Caesar, Beware the Ides of March. Well, Debbie and I, we had fun with that date when we were uh, engaged and telling everybody, hey, we're not be wearing the Ides of March. That's going to be our date. And it has turned out pretty well, hasn't it, Debbie? I would say it has, yes. So 36 years of marriage. Uh, I think about that verse in, uh, in Proverbs chapter 18. It says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. As one friend of mine told me, it's he says the reason it says that is because of this. He who finds a wife needs all the favor he can get. Oh, goodness. Uh, he was just teasing, obviously. But uh, I have found favor with the Lord in giving me you. Oh, how and, sweet. And so uh, in 36 years, we've been through lots of ups and downs. We've yes. been through good times, great times, mm -hmm. and some sad times and some rough times. And you know what's interesting at the onset, we we didn't necessarily anticipate any of those downtimes. We we didn't think we were going to just bypass any kind of downtimes, but you really at that point are just so starry-eyed that you just don't ever think, "Oh, but some bad things are going to cross our path. Some hurtful things are going to cross our path. Some loss is going to cross our path." You're not really thinking that when you're starting out. Right. So last week I, I talked to Bob Lapine who wrote the book, Love Like You Mean It, and wrote the book, The Christian Husband. And he's our dear friend. And, and we've spoken with him at Family Life. Uh, one of the things that, uh, that he said last week is that couples don't realize that marriage is going to be hard at times. We, we tend to think, uh, man, all you need is love. And we're, we're so in love and love will keep us together as, Captain and Tennille sang. Didn't work so well for them, though, did it? No, I think they lasted 30-something years, right. 39 years or something like that, yeah. and then got divorced. Um, so you need more than that. Uh, the scripture says this, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. And then this key sentence, a cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. When you and I got married, 
we knew that we were going to have Jesus as the cornerstone of our home. Right. Unless the Lord builds the house, he labor, they labor in vain who build it. Um, how has that, in your opinion, how has that made such a difference in our marriage? I think one of the main differences that it's made is that we have a common goal and a common focus. So we're going in the same direction and we're not going in parallel directions. We're going in a, in a pyramid direction where both of us are, are pointing upward and together. And so the closer we each get to the Lord, the closer we get to each other as well. And it has just been such a foundational uh, part of our marriage and it has provided us with security. It's provided us with a wealth of information from God's word on how to do things correctly. Um, sometimes you don't want to hear that. <laughs> you don't want to hear about that wife submit to your husband verse, but um, it, it the structure is there. All of it's in God's word to give us the information and the tools that we need to have the kind of godly marriage he desires for us to have. And I think because that has been the goal that we have shared that has kept us in sync and in step together. Well, here's the thing that Debbie and I have discovered over 36 years of marriage. I'm selfish and she's selfish. Mm. It's just at the core of who we are, we're selfish. And so if we try and do marriage just in our own strength, it's not going to go. We're going to get on each other's nerves. We're going to hurt each other's feelings. Hopefully not intentionally, but sometimes intentionally. When you're mad, you hurt the other person's feelings intentionally. Um, but it's just not going to work very well. We're not going to want to say, I'm sorry. We're not going to want to accept the person's apology uh, when we're mad. And so I find it interesting in scripture. Ephesians chapter five is the key passage on marriage from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And before he ever talks about marriage relationships, before he ever talks about family relationships, because the first part of chapter six is about family, children, and, and parents. He says, and do not get drunk with wine, for this is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So God is telling us, listen, how do you do marriage in a way that not just that you make it through, that you survive, but how do you have a wonderful marriage where you thrive and you really love each other and you grow in love? You have to be filled with the Holy Spirit to do that. So if Debbie's filled with the Holy Spirit, if Jeff's filled with the Holy Spirit, well, that means the Spirit is in charge. We're not going to have a hard time getting along if the Spirit is in control of me and the Spirit is in control of you because the Spirit doesn't fight with himself. But it's when I'm not Spirit-filled or you're not Spirit-filled, then we have problems. Right. And I think, um, you know, there's a lot of things that can can come into life that can distract you from from being filled that way, fatigue, stresses, losses. And um, it's always important to go to go back to that, to make sure that your heart is right with the Lord and to, to check that relationship, that vertical relationship has to be right in order for your horizontal relationships to work. That's for sure. Now, you remember, Debbie, when we first got married, you did a little cross stitch and you you hung it in our house. I can still see it yes, right there me as, too. in the entry of our first house mm -hmm. on Bridalden Lane. And it said, choose your love, love your choice. Right. Choose your love, love your choice. And uh, 
we had our first date. I still remember it. It was May 10th, 1985. You've got a memory on it. You know where the spatula goes, but you can remember so many other things. Yeah, I have trouble remembering that stuff. So I picked you up. It was a Tuesday. I took you to a nice dinner at Jeremiah's mm-hmm. restaurant on uh, FM 1960. Houston, Texas. And we had, I was, I, I thought I looked so cool. I was wearing this blue suit, but I didn't know about fabric. So it was a heavy wool suit and it's May in Houston and I was sweating like crazy, but, uh, I wanted to look nice for you. And I don't think you picked up on the fact that this guy doesn't know seasons. Um, but from that day on, it was just kind of like, we wanted to go out every night. Mm -hmm. I think we did go out every night for like first 30 days. I saw you. Um, and it wasn't long after that, just about four months when I knew, Hey, I want to marry this girl. And, uh, but choose your love, love your choice. We have noticed over the years that lots of people have trouble in marriage, and one of the key reasons they have trouble, as our pastor, Damon Shook, said, the reason so many people have trouble in marriage is they make a bad choice. Mm-hmm. They choose somebody that's not very compatible in their personality. Uh, maybe they're too much alike, or maybe they, they just fight all the time in their, in their courtship. That, that's a huge red flag. And so share with the listeners, what was our courtship like? And how did you know that I was the guy for you? Well, I had um, done a lot of foolish things in my dating life prior to meeting you. And so um, by the time I got around to the age I was and I met you, I had already kind of solidified some things that were um, deal breakers for me. And I wish that I would have been wise enough to have known those things earlier, but alas, I was pretty stupid. So by the time I got to um, graduate from college, I had decided that I was only going to date someone who was a Christian and not just a Christian, but that was a growing Christian, had a thriving relationship with the Lord that was seeking after him, that loved him above all things, was growing in his relationship with him. And then I made it even more specific that I wanted him to be Baptist. Now, there's nothing magical about being Baptist by any stretch of the imagination, but that was the denomination that I grew up in. And that was that was comfortable and familiar to me. And that's how I wanted my my family to be raised. And so I just put yet another restriction on who I would date based on those things. And then enter Jeff Shreve. Yeah. Six yeah. months after you prayed that. Six months after I prayed that. And um, so I was, I, I think that was a huge part of it because I, for once in my dating life, I had truly used discretion. I had biblical boundaries for who I was going to date and God blessed that. And so when we first went out, you almost stood me up. I did. I did almost stand you up because you were so quiet. You, We were in the same Sunday school class at Champion Forest Baptist Church, and you never spoke. I mean, you would maybe say four words in an entire <laughs> hour and a half Sunday school class. Um, and so I just thought, oh, this guy is so boring. I just cannot imagine having to spend a whole evening with him, just the two of us with no one else there as a buffer. <laughs> and um, But I was just shocked because within moments of us leaving my apartment, you already had me laughing and we just had the best time. And when I came home that night, I woke my roommate up and I told her, Donna, 
I think I met the guy. I think I'm going to marry this guy. Mm. And so, uh, and sure enough, shortly after. You never told me that right away. No, I didn't. So that would have scared me off. Yeah, that would have scared you off. Hold on, little lady. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I, I too, remember how uh, you kind of liked my friend Stan. I did. And so you thought, if I go out with Jeff, maybe I can get to know Stan. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad you didn't tell me that either early on. Lots of things that weren't going to be beneficial for you to know at that moment. That would have been disappointing. Right. But, uh, but but God already that early planted that seed in my heart because you met all of those those qualifications that I had laid out, and then you made me laugh a lot, and you still do for that matter. And um, that was really really important to me because I wanted a I wanted to have a home that was filled with laughter when I had. Uh, when I was married and had kids. And so I grew up as an only child. And it's not that we didn't have any laughter in our home, but it was pretty quiet in our house because it was just the three of us. And so I just wanted something different than that. And and I knew that um, I needed someone who was going to um, bring some lightness to me. And um, you fit that bill for sure. Yeah. Well, it, I think it's really critical for couples, anybody listening, and you're not married, you're dating, or you're you're hoping to be dating, you know, hoping to be married sometime, is uh, do your homework. You know, oftentimes we do our homework when it comes to buying a house or buying a car or buying a computer. We really check it out. And then we don't do our homework when it comes to the second most important decision in your whole life. Trusting Christ is the most important decision in your whole life. But the second most important decision is who you're going to choose for your life partner. And you don't want to make that in a just a haphazard uh, snap decision. Uh, count the cost and make sure this person is the one God has for me. This person, we fit together and uh, we're compatible in our personalities because if you don't do that and you just rush in and get married, oh, she looks good, she smells good, let's get married. Then you wake up and you're like, we don't have much in common. And this is going to be a difficult road for the next 40, 50, 60, 70 years of life. So choose your love and love your choice. And be careful with those red flags. When those red flags come along in your mind and heart, you you heed them. Pay attention. And, And people who love you who say, hey, watch out for this, you need to listen. Well, we're on the air talking about marriage and uh, talking about having a great marriage. So we're going to take a quick break. Don't go away. Here's some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or if like a lot of people, you just have a plan you're not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. It's a Christian healthcare sharing program There are more than 400,000 members now, and they love it. In fact, MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to that of health insurance. And MediShare really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. It's been around more than 25 years. Members have shared more than $4 billion of each other's medical bills. Plus, MediShare is for you. It has saved its members billions by advocating on their behalf. Best of all, the typical savings for a family is around $6,000 a year. 
So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. MediShare has a 98% customer satisfaction rating, and you are invited to be part of it. Call now. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Hello, I'm Don Hawkins, here to tell you about Encouragement Live. 55 minutes of industrial strength radio encouragement featuring resourceful guests plus practical biblical insights to help you face life's challenges. We'll be taking your phone calls. So plan to join us for Encouragement Live, Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central, 8.05 p.m. Eastern, here on American Family Radio. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. This is the sound of not just one, not just two, but three heartbeats. Heartbeats that were birthed through the ministry of preborn. The heartbeat of a preborn baby can be heard as early as six weeks on ultrasound. The sound of a heartbeat changes everything. I came seeking termination, but once I got here and I took an ultrasound, I was overjoyed when I found out that I was having three baby boys. The Ministry of Preborn is the largest provider of free heartbeats for moms in crisis in America and the direct competition to Planned Parenthood. By letting a mother see her baby on ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, she'll choose life 80% of the time. And this time, there were three. To find out more, go to preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life. Hi, and welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve, along with my wife, Debbie, today. And we're talking about the subject of marriage. So when we first got married, Debbie made a little cross stitch that hung in our house that said, choose your love, love your choice. So in the last segment, we were talking about how important it is to make a wise, uh, prayerful, a God-directed decision when you say, I do, when you tell someone, hey, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. That can't be a snap decision. It can't be an emotional decision. You need to really think that through. You need to get wise counsel. So you choose your love wisely, and then you love your choice. Debbie, let's talk about that, loving your choice. Yes, because there are going to be times when you're going to question that choice because situations in life come up and you get frustrated with each other. I know for us, we are so different in our personalities and um, in, in so many ways we complement each other. But boy, when we were first married, those differences, they were like sandpaper on each other because, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking of a few. I was an only child. You grew up with five other brothers and sisters. I grew up Baptist. You grew up, grew up Catholic. You know, we just had in, in every, every way imaginable, we were different. Um, and so you have to, to make that choice and, and be, um, be fixed on that, not be wavering on that because good times and bad times are going to come. 
And those situations can't um, be things that make you doubt that choice. You've got to stick with that choice. That's what commitment is all about. And that's what those that's what those vows signify that you made before God and before the other people that were there at your wedding ceremony. And um, you know, there's situations that arise that that put those to the test, most most assuredly. But that's why it's so important to have that in your heart that regardless, I'm going to love my choice. And I'm, if there's something that that's going astray in our marriage, I'm going to seek the Lord and I'm going to trust the Lord to bring healing and to bring resolution um, into that situation. Yeah. Loving your choice. That's where you depend upon the Lord, because my job as a husband is to love you, even if I don't feel it, even if you're not very lovable, oh, even please. If, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, even if things aren't going well, um, I still, by God's grace, I'm to love you, to nourish you, to cherish you, to treasure you has nothing to do with you. It has to do with that's what God's called me to do as a husband. I've often said this, that uh, when when I die and stand before God, he's going to ask me, okay, I gave you a wife and I told you to love her, to nourish her, to cherish her. How well did you do that? And I'm not going to be able to say, well, Lord, let's let's talk to her about how well she respected me. She was supposed to submit to me and respect me. So uh, unless she did what she was supposed to do, I was off the hook for what I was supposed to do. No, that doesn't fly at the judgment seat of Christ, as we talked about yesterday. I have to give an account. What did I do with what God gave me? What did I do with the responsibilities God gave me? And one of my great, great, great responsibilities is to be your husband and to love you and to nourish you and cherish you and uh, to put you on a pedestal and let you know that, hey, Debbie, you are number one outside of Jesus. You are number one in my life. And so how well did I do that? And you as a wife are to respect me even if I'm not respectable. So how does a wife do that? <clears throat> I think the only way that a wife can do that is by God's grace and having the Holy Spirit do that through her, because that can be really, really hard. I counsel women, <clears throat> excuse me, women all the time that are like, you know, my, my husband isn't respectable. How do I how do I do that? And it's, it's like, it's a decision that you have to make. And when you make that decision and you act in that way and out of obedience to the Lord, not based on how you feel, but out of obedience to the Lord, uh, God can do a really cool work in your husband and change him in a miraculous way. Yes. Now, ladies, remember this, your husband thrives on respect and praise and admiration. He does not do well with your displeasure, with nagging, with little barbs that cut him down. Uh, that causes him to recoil from you. And we heard years back, and I don't remember how long ago it was, but I think it was Charles Lowry that had an illustration about uh, moms with little boys and how little boys are always like, mommy, mommy, watch me do this. Did you see how I did that? Did you see how I climbed that tree? Mommy, mommy, did you see how I rode my bike? Wasn't I so good? Yeah. Didn't I do so good? Did you look at mommy, see my muscles, see my muscles? And he went on to say inside of every man, there, that seven-year-old little boy is still there. 
there. So our husbands want us to see their muscles, see their muscles. They want us to say, oh, you just did that. That was so good to just be their number one cheerleader. And uh, they they desperately need that regardless of the masculine he-man facade inside there is that little seven-year-old boy that still needs that encouragement. Right. So it's it's the uh, famous book, Love and Respect. So if you want to affair proof your marriage, husbands, love your wives, nourish her, cherish her, treasure her, make her feel like she is uh, worth a zillion dollars in your eyes, and she will, she will not want to get that from somebody else because you're filling her emotional tank. And wives, if you'll respect and cheer and praise your husband, look for things to build him up, not for things to correct him and tear him down. If you'll do that, he's he's very um, very secure in his relationship with you and he's not looking for uh, the adulation of some other girl, somebody at work or somebody, uh, you know, out in the neighborhood that will say, Ooh, I see your muscles. I see how you can ride the bike with no hands on the handlebars, that kind of thing. Well, uh, um, I was thinking Jeff, as we were talking about this, it's, we have been through some difficulties in our life. Our life has not been just all roses. Um, And so I was, thinking about um, just having you share, like, what are some of the things that we have walked through in these 36 years of marriage that were things that we did not necessarily anticipate happening? Right. So it's easy to look at people from the outside. Or on Facebook. Yeah. And you say, oh, yeah, I would be happy too if I had your job, if I had your, all your blessings, if, if my marriage were just smooth sailing with no problems, you guys don't seem to have any problems. Uh, That's just a lie. Everybody's got problems. Mm -hmm. Um, You have problems. I have problems. Adam had problems. I mean, problems are just part of life and problems are part of marriages, uh, part of marriage. You're going to have challenges. You're going to have things come up that are going to test you. And uh, a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. And so the Lord will send problems our way to test us, to help us grow. And so in our marriage, we have experienced uh, the miscarriage of twins. Yes. In between uh, in be- child two and child two. three. So in, in a five-year period, we had four pregnancies. Right. That was a lot. Now, we lost the, the first twin early on. Nine weeks. And then we lost the second twin at 20 weeks. 19 and a half weeks. Right. right. And so you had to deliver. deliver and, and I saw mm-hmm. our son. And, uh, you know, that was very, very hard. And then we got pregnant pretty soon after that. Which was a real shocker. And I just was not emotionally prepared for that. Right. You know, and now where would we be without that caboose? Our family would just be so void without our Sarah, you know. Um, but at the time, I it was just an overwhelming, daunting idea to think, oh, I've just gone through these two miscarriages and now this, I'm just not ready for this. Right. It was, that was a difficult time. Very difficult. Uh, Losing your mom. Mm -hmm. Early. I mean, I was 32, I believe when my mom died. Uh huh. And, you know, she died very suddenly, got Mm -hmm. the flu and got pneumonia and went septic, got got sepsis and died. From when she had the flu on Friday, it was less than a week and she was, she had passed away. In less than a week. And then your dad had a massive stroke. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that was very, very difficult. Especially me being an only child, because then I was solely responsible for my dad and for after my mom passed away, making sure that his affairs were in order and that he was taken care of. And and then he uh, developed vascular dementia from his stroke. And so had to go through all of that with getting him into an assisted living facility and just all of those things that went along with that. It was very, very draining and, and very uh, heartbreaking. And probably the biggest hurdle we faced as a couple was God calling me in the ministry. Ooh, that was a biggie, wasn't it? So here I am. I had uh, I had three jobs after college. Graduated from the University of Texas. Debbie went to Texas A and M University. Whoop. So that is a that is a big uh, difference mm-hmm. right there. But mm-hmm. uh, I had a job straight out of college. Uh, was selling pipe couplings, inside salesman. I did that for about two years, and uh, that industry wasn't so good in the mid eighties. Uh, the oil and gas industry. Then I got a job at waste management, and I sold trash service and portable toilets. Mm-hmm. Um, you think My the man. job, <laughs> yeah, you think the job uh, is not glamorous when you sell trash service, but then when you add the product line of portable toilets, it's really not glamorous, but it was a fun job. I did that for two years. And then I worked for an Alco chemical company and sold specialty chemicals for about uh, eight years when the Lord called me in July of 1995, called me into the ministry. It's very clear. Uh, I have not heard God ever speak to my ears, but I've heard him speak inside on a couple of occasions where it was extremely clear. And his call to me to to come into the ministry uh, was very clear. But when I told you about it, Ooh, you were not. It was not so clear to me. No. And I look back on that time period, and that was really such a testing time for me in terms of my willingness to trust the Lord, not just with my future, but with the command, see to it, wives, that you submit to your husbands. That was really, really hard for me because I had grown up in a pastor's home and had lived in that fish bubble, and I did not want that. I did not want that for our kids, and I just did not want that for my own life to the extent that in my dating life, if I found out anyone was interested in ministry, I just said, forget it, I'm not dating you anymore. And so that was talking about having to really choose to to love your choice that that was hard for me right and i remember you you telling me that you had heard god's voice and i said oh no 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 that wasn't god's voice that was <laughs> satan's voice we're so happy he's trying to just mess up what we have here right you know um and i remember you saying well no debbie it was god's voice i'm I'm not happy in, in my job. And I remember telling you, well, none of us are happy every day in our jobs, Jeff. I mean, God cursed the ground for heaven's sakes. You know, we're not, you think I leap out of bed wanting to change diapers and do laundry. I, I don't do that every day. So of course you're not happy every day. And I remember you saying, mm, but it, it, it runs deeper than that. Right. You know, um, but it, it, it was a, it was a really, really, uh, hard time because for for the first time really in our marriage we were just on opposite pages right and we had never really experienced that before in terms of not being able <clears throat> to just pretty quickly come to a mutual understanding of something because we were not able to do that real quickly on this one no and i had to be patient so i asked you Debbie, did. i said well debbie will you pray about it 
she said, no. No, I don't need to pray about it. I know that I don't want to do that. So I said, okay, will you pray about praying about it? Uh, And what do you say to that? You know, unless you're just some horrible person. I was like, fine, I'll pray about being willing to pray about it. And as you prayed about praying about it, what happened? Right. God started to change my heart. And um, it, it took a while for that change to take place. And I was doing a Bible study by Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God. And I would get out that Bible study and I would I would work on it and it would make me so mad because I would get so convicted that I would just sl- shut the book and put it in a drawer and say, forget it. I, I-, I hate this Bible study. <laughs> and then I would be convicted because I had I had made the commitment that I was going to go through that study. And so a few days would pass and I'd pull it out and I'd work on it again and I would get frustrated again. And it was through that process of just getting irritated, confessing that to the Lord, going back, that God really used that Bible study to do a dramatic change in my heart to the point where I I knew that you had been called. I never questioned that. I I personally did not feel called, but because I was called to be your wife, I was going to go where you you were going to go. Right. And then you did a lot of research. About I did. Seminaries. So, so when God called me in the ministry, I talked to my pastor, Damon Shook, and I said, uh, God's called me. He said, listen, if you can do anything else uh, and be happy, do that. But one of the ways you know you're called to the ministry is you can't do anything else and be happy. And I had been wrestling with this for a long time. That was the desire of my heart to was to preach and teach the Bible. And so I said, I can't be happy doing anything else. This is what God has called me to do. And so he said, well, a call to preach is a call to prepare. You need to go to seminary. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. back to school. I thought I was done with school when I said goodbye to the University of Texas in 1984. Mm-hmm. But it was back to school and uh, seminary is a three-year program. And uh, amazingly, I somehow crammed it into five. Right. And uh, in five years, I was graduating from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And then uh, I felt like I needed to get a doctorate. A doctorate is about two years, two and a half, maybe three years. And another amazing thing, I I got it completed in 13. Right. And uh, so it took me a while, but uh, here we are today. And here we are. Celebrating. And uh, in, in uh, 2023, uh, February of 2023, we'll celebrate 20 years at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas. Mm-hmm. And we've seen God do amazing things. Mm-hmm. And uh, From His Heart Ministries is uh, 17 years old. And uh, that's just been an awesome thing. So God is good and you can trust God no matter what. And uh, you don't need to be afraid of the will of God. The will of God for your life is what you would choose for yourself if you had sense enough to want it. So don't go away. We're talking about uh, marriage and we are going to be taking your calls. So we're going to have a great time together. 1-888-589-8840. Don't go away. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA believes that all men and women, whether in private or public, should be free to exercise their faith without hindrance from the government. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. 
Thank you for standing with us. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. We've always had an interest. God has given us a gift of being able to help a lot of people with their finances and budgets and stuff. AFA supporters Bernie and Alice Larson met Dan Celia at a Faith, Family, and Finance town hall meeting. And he answered some questions, and we were thinking about the charitable gift annuities, and we'd never heard of that before, but we thought, well, we'd always wanted to leave some of our money with for God, but we didn't know where or how. And it, we felt like this was put into our laps as answer to our prayers as to what we could do after we're gone. Bernie and Alice learned a charitable gift annuity from the AFA Foundation would provide them with a monthly income for life as well as supporting the American Family Association into the future. You can learn more about charitable gift annuities and other financial products at afafoundation.net or call 800-326-4543, extension 345. And uh, you just can't outgive God. Hi, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. As many of you know, Hurricane Ida devastated Louisiana in August, making landfall as a Category 4 hurricane, leaving thousands of families in need of hope. Do you know it's been three years since 8 Days of Hope deployed on a rebuilding trip where we help hundreds of families rebuild their homes for free? But today I've got some exciting news. We're announcing that 8 Days of Hope 17 is going to take place in Laplace, Louisiana from April 9th through the 16th, bringing hope to those who are feeling hopeless. We're going to be doing roofing and drywall painting and so much more. If you'd love to use your gifts to serve those in need, go to our website, 8daysofhope.com. As always, it's free to volunteer with us. Food and lodging are provided. And again, if you're looking to be the hands and feet of Jesus, join us in April when we go to Laplace, Louisiana, during 8 Days of Hope 17. Again, for more information about this outreach or any arm of the ministry, go to 8daysofhope.com. That's 8daysofhope.com. Welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here along with my wife, Debbie, and we're talking about the subject of marriage. And today is our anniversary. We've been married for 36 years. God has blessed us with three beautiful daughters, and they're all married. And we have three grandchildren, Emmy, who's 11, Lyndon, who is, uh, how old is Lyndon? Six. Six. And then uh, little Jack, who just had his birthday eight yesterday. Month, no, well, eight month. Yeah, eight yeah, month. Not birthday, but. Well, yeah. Landmark. His eight landmark. Months. Eight month. Uh, little boy. And uh, we love our family so much. God has blessed us in a great way. And so uh, we're just giving him all the praise. And uh doesn't mean that marriage and family is easy by any, any stretch of the imagination. But if you do what God says to do, you put him first and you uh, you work out difficulties and problems the Lord's way, and you have generous forgiveness in your marriage, extravagant love, and uh, you go over the top with your love for one another, and then you encourage each other. You build each other up. You don't tear each other down. You'll see God do something great in your marriage. 
We're taking your calls in this segment. The number to call is 1-888-589-8840. That's 1-888-589-8840. So Debbie, let's talk a little bit about communication. How important is that to a good marriage? Hugely important. And we found very early on in our marriage that we communicated in very different ways. <laughs> um, and we had to kind of learn to to read each other and learn how to best communicate with one another. And um, there were some bumps along the way with that, you know, but um, but we did. We persevered and we we learned how to do that. And communication is so important and in all likelihood, if you're married, you and your spouse, like Jeff and I, communicate very differently. Well, we do. And, uh, you know, I, I think typically guys <laughs> tend to hide their feelings. We don't like to reveal vulnerabilities. We don't like to share our hurts. So if our wife hurts our feelings, we kind of clam up. We tend to withdraw. Um, then she wonders what happened. What did I do? Um and, you know, husbands do the same thing. If we say something that hurts our wife's feeling, uh, our wife's feelings, then we uh, she doesn't tell us because what does a woman think? He ought to know that that hurt my feelings. And Duh. he doesn't know. No, he does not know. And we think the same thing. Hey, you ought to know that you disrespected me there. And she doesn't know. She didn't do it on purpose. And he didn't do it on purpose. Sometimes teasing can get a little too close to the nerve and, and uh, can really hurt, especially in public. And so uh, we have to be careful with that. And uh, we have to be able to share and say, hey, when you did X, that really hurt my feelings. That made me feel, you know, untreasured or that made me feel disrespected or whatever it is. Um, you can't just sweep all that stuff under the rug because eventually there's no more room under the rug. Right. And that starts to come out and you will start to have a, a home that gets icy cold with resentment and bitterness. Right. And bitterness is just the worst emotion uh, to have to cart around inside your heart all the time. And you can you can think you're hiding it and you're the only one who knows about it, but it just oozes out into everything that you do. And it's just such a, such a anti abundant life way to live. I mean, Christ came to provide us with so much more than that. You know, he wants us to, to have joy and peace and all those things. And uh, living in bitterness is not that way. Um, but Jeff, what would, what would you say has been um, one of the best things that we've learned over the years in terms of how to communicate with each other? Well, I think sharing our feelings, not just stuffing, you know, hurts and uh, pretending like they don't hurt. They do. Uh, I think for a lot of couples, being able to talk openly about uh, sexual intimacy in marriage, uh, typically uh, you have one party that is more interested than the other. Not always the guys, but a lot of times it's the guys that are more interested uh, a woman, as one lady told me in counseling, if it's not going on in my heart, then it's not going to be going on in my body. And that's just another way of saying, hey, if he's not filling my emotional tank, then I'm not interested in, in you know, wanting to be with him physically. And a lot of guys don't get that. 
because we're, it's like, Hey, we're not getting along very well, but I'm still ready to go, right. you know? And, um, so a woman <clears throat> is just different. She's wired differently. And, and so it, guys, we need to think about what did we do when we were dating that made our wives so, uh, interested in us, um, physically, because often, you know, in a, in a good, healthy dating relationship, that issue of, uh, getting the cart before the horse is going to be something you have to fight. If you don't have to fight it, if there's there's no physical, we don't have any temptation about, uh, you know, having sex or going too far before we're married. That's kind of weird. It's because, a red flag. Yeah, because that's a normal thing. When you are in love and you're waiting for the wedding date, you have to be setting up safeguards because that's a strong pull to want to be together. And if there is no pull, that's not just going to magically appear when you say I do. Right. So uh, I think being able to talk about that uh, openly, that that was a breakthrough for us. And we were right. married seven years before we really just mm -hmm. openly talked mm -hmm. about things like that. I think too, that I had to learn with you that I would ask you, for instance, okay, are, are you mad at me about something? You say, no, no. I'm like, okay, well, are you any synonym of mad? Are, are you frustrated or are you unsettled? Or, I mean, I would just go through all these list of words until I could hit on the right one that you're like, okay, yes, I am feeling this, you know, because um, it was almost like you just it's too much pride to say. Yeah, yeah it was just too much pride. And um, so that was a big barrier that we we had to kind of break through and, and still do on occasions, but not nearly like we did in the early years right. of our marriage. Well, it's easy in marriage to pout. And, you know, because here's the thing in, in every human heart, there's a cross and there's a throne. When Christ is on the throne, then self is on the cross. I've been crucified with Christ. But when self is on the throne, then you're putting Jesus on the cross. You're saying, I'm not going to have you rule over me. I'm going to be my own boss. And so when I'm filled with the spirit, I'm very open to correction. It's not about pride. It's about, you know, hey, I want to be the person God wants me to be. I want to listen to what you have to say. And so that's why do not be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because if you're not filled with the Spirit, you're not going to be able to do marriage and family in the power of the Spirit. You're going to do it in the power of the flesh. And in the power of the flesh, it fails every single time. Right, because it, it's just selfish. It's just an uphill struggle. It's just gritting your teeth. Um, and it's not that it's not the supernatural power of God giving you the ability to forgive and to be kind and to consider it all joy and all those things the scripture tells us to do. We can't do those in the power of the, the flesh. They can only be done in the power of the spirit. Ephesians 4.32 was our theme verse for our family. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. We're taking your calls. The number to call is 1-888-589-8840. That's 1-888-589-8840. Today is our anniversary. If you'd like to wish us an, uh, a happy anniversary, <laughs> if you'd like to send us a gift, that would be wonderful. We're open to both of those things. But uh, well, as we were talking, I was thinking back onto one because really, if we look back on our marriage, I can only think of 
two or three like just really big barriers that we've had to break through. And one of them, as we just talked about this last segment, was your call into ministry. But prior to that, it was when we were buying a house. Do you remember this? Yes. And um, my mom and I, who was our realtor, she we had looked at just without exaggeration, 50 to 60 homes in the Houston area trying to find a house. And I had kind of narrowed it down to two or three. We finally made an offer on one. And then in the negotiation process, you were really willing to let the whole deal fall apart over, I, I want to say it was maybe like $500. It no, wasn't, it, it wasn't, was, a, it was more than how much was it? It wasn't a lot, though. I mean, in the scheme of a 30-year mortgage, it wasn't a whole lot. Well, I tried to just whittle them down. Right. And, and so, so save $1,000. Hey, that's $1,000. The end result of it was, though, that I felt like you had completely undervalued all the work that I had put into finding this house for us to be able to to make this offer. And then because of how I responded, you felt very disrespected. Right. And so we were really kind of at this impasse, as it were. As it were. And um, talk a little bit about how we negotiated through that. Well, that was hard because uh -huh. I, I started to get angry at you and you were angry at me. And you're right. I didn't value what you did. And uh, I was thinking that, well, she needs to just you know, let me negotiate this. And if it doesn't, there are a lot of houses for sale. If this person doesn't want to come down, we just say, we'll find another house. We don't need your house. And uh, you didn't want to do that because of all the work that had gone in looking for this house. And uh, yeah, I, I started to get resentful. And I noticed in my heart, I still remember we, I was working for Nalco and I was leaving the, the office that day. And I was just thinking, you know, I'm bitter toward her right now. And that's not just easy to go away. Right. Um, you know, the Bible talks about a root of bitterness. You know, if you don't catch things early, uh, you know, the, the hurt, that's why the, don't let the sun go down on your anger, because if you do, the anger can turn into resentment, can turn into bitterness, can become a root of bitterness. It's just like pulling weeds in your backyard. Uh, some weeds are really hard to get out. It's hard to get the root out. You can pop the top off of them, but the root is still there and it's still going to pop up. Lots of couples are dealing with bitterness from things that happened in the past. They never got the root out. And so I still remember thinking, okay, Lord, uh, this is th these bad feelings I have toward Debbie aren't just easily going away, and uh, you, you you need to do a work here because I can't I can't have this moving forward. This is going to wreck our relationship. Right, and and we were able to get through that. I don't I don't even remember all the details of it, but we did. Well, we got the house and we got the thousand dollars off that I was pushing for. And uh, so it worked out. And, you know, I started to see things from your perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times when you have a, a disagreement, it's you're not seeing it from the other person's perspective. Why is she mad? Well, I didn't want to look at 50 or 60 houses. I mean, I, that's like shopping. Uh, right. I hate that. You know, it's just find what you want and buy it. I don't care how much it costs. I just want to get out of here. Um, and so, uh, when, once I saw it from your perspective, and I think you were seeing it some from mm -hmm. my perspective, we were able to come to find common ground and say, okay, we didn't handle ourselves well in this, but uh, I forgive you, you forgive me, I'm sorry, you're sorry, 
and let's move on. Let's kiss and make up. Right. And the, the kiss and make up is always fun. <laughs> so we're talking about marriage. It's our 36th anniversary today, and we haven't had the perfect marriage, but God has really blessed us over the years. And uh, here's the thing. On a scale of one to 10, one being the lowest, 10 being the highest and the best, God wants your marriage to be a 12. He wants it to be great. Uh, he, he didn't give you a spouse to make your life miserable. He gave you a spouse to be a blessing so that you would enjoy life with the wife of your youth, as it says in the book of Proverbs. And, uh, you know, two are better than one. And there are few people that God has given the gift of celibacy, but most people long to be married and they long to have a family and they need that companion. It's not good for the man to be alone. I wouldn't do well alone. Oh, we just talked about this because you were gone all last week at the NRB in Nashville. And so I was at home by myself and, uh, I think it was a conversation I was having with Jill, our oldest daughter. And she said, you know, mom, what are you doing? I said, well, you know, I've done this, this, and now I'm working on this art project and then I'm going to do this. And she was like, it's just so different when it's dad at home and you're gone because he's just like, okay, y'all want to go do this. Y'all want to go do this. And she said, you're just very content, just kind of doing your own thing. And we were laughing about the fact that you just struggle uh, being alone. Therefore, goes back to the verse, you know? Well, you know, we've often joked about if, if you died before me, you know, you know that I would remarry because it's, I wouldn't do well by myself. And I, if, if I died before you, I don't know if you'd remarry because you don't, you don't need marriage like I need marriage. Right. And uh, you, you have said before, well, I just hope Jeff doesn't bring a date to the funeral. <laughs> exactly. And, which I would never do that. <laughs> never do that. But uh, it's been a, a great time getting to visit today and talk about this, this issue of marriage and family. And uh, we feel so blessed that God has brought us together. And uh, we don't know how much more time the Lord will give us together. We're both healthy. But uh, we pray that every day we have together, that we uh, enjoy it to the full. That's the way God wants us to live. Hey, remember two words, shine and share. Shine for Christ and share what great things the Lord has done for you this day. God is worthy and he's coming again soon. God bless you.